I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today, the guys will talk about the Trevor Hoffman weekend, they'll have a Padres Twitter segment, and they will talk with Ben Davey from Mad Friars. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBou. And welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the 5.5 Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou. Long weekend for you, Eric. Long weekend. I am the uh, dipshit crybaby. <laughs> dipshit crybaby. And I'm owning it. I'm, I'm going to run with that. You so. have been called worse. So you made it out <laughs> to a couple of Padre games, Eric. I think we need to address the elephant in the room. So why don't you go right ahead and use this platform here yeah. to go ahead and just come out and say it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, honestly, I've, so this happened yesterday, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, dude... I'm like, do I want to talk about it? Do I not want to talk about it on the pod? I mean, people are probably wondering, uh, you know, my thoughts on it and what I have to say about it. And I guess I'll just come out and say it, dude. I really think Hunter Renfro is playing his way into an everyday role next year. And I I would. I really do. And I would have to agree (laughs) with you. Absolutely, he is. So, um, yeah, Renfro, we've mentioned it before. It's been a pretty popular talk on Twitter. Um, to correspond with uh, trash-talking Andy Green. Um, but Renfro has seemingly made the necessary adjustments that we all think they wanted him to make um, to the, the point that, to where... Sorry, ahead. the thing that gets me excited is, like, it's not he's not just a lefty masher no, anymore. No, he's not. Like, he's hitting right-handed pitching, and he's hitting it well, like, well enough. And um, his, dude, like, 10 of his 14 homers are off right-handed pitching. So... I feel like it's something that is coming around for him. I, I don't think it's a fluke for him. I, I think he's finally putting it together. And, I mean, like, you look at this this outfield log jam that they have, I really feel like he's playing his way right into that log jam. He's making it, he's making it difficult for them to say, hey, we don't see it. You Absolutely. Know I mean? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. Um, when you look up his splits, you know, he's not – he's going to kill left-handed pitching. I mean, that's just – it's just what it is. But he is holding his own against right-handed pitching. And we had talked about last year um, when you mentioned, you know, he's been pretty consistent. It's not a fluke. Remember that uh, month or so last year where he actually had a pretty decent walk rate and then he just fell right back off. This year, not so much. I, I think it's been consistent enough where you can say it's not a fluke. It's just a change in the approach because when we were prepping for the show and I was looking up, okay, let me just run through, like, what's he been doing since June 1st? What's he been through doing since July 1st? There's been some fluctuation, but he's been around 6 to 8% on the walk rate pretty much the whole year. Mm-hmm. And we've said before, um, if he can hold even a league average walk rate, which is around 8%, and post a 310, 320 on base with his power, he's going to be an above average player. And he that's what he's been so far. He's 14 to 16% above league average, depending on your website of choice. He's been anywhere from a 1 to 1.5 win player over basically a half a season worth of uh, plate appearances or playing time. So he's, he's turning out what we all thought he could be, which is a pretty solid everyday regular. The thing that I like is not only is he, not getting, is he now getting more playing time, Will Myers going to third base has created a new opportunity for him to actually get that playing time and not have to worry about shuffling that logjam, like you said. Yeah, totally. And, you know, using your favorite stat there, War. Um, not through, my favorite stat. Through 82 games, I mean, essentially half a season there. 
I always like I, I hate the guy the first week or the first game of the year he hits a home run. He's on pace for 162 homers. But if it's halfway through, I'm like, hey, times it by two. That's roughly what you're going to get. I'm okay with those projections. But through 82 games, his war, B-war, if you want to cite that, is at 1.6. So he's over a three-win player. Yeah. If, if that's the stat you want to go off of, he makes everyone happy, right? He makes the war nerds happy. He makes me happy. <laughs> he's getting on base. He's hitting for power. Like, it's there. It's there for him. And I believe I was talking with uh, Bobby yesterday, Bobby Cressy, the guy that publicly will never admit to knowing me. But <laughs> do you blame him? No, I don't. And not, not at all. Um, I was talking with Bobby yesterday, and I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I want to say it was Kyle Glazer. It was in one of the chats that uh, Giannis or Too Much Morton's uh, post. But he said if Hunter Renfro's first year is his, quote, rough year, which was last year, he's like, if your rough year is your rookie year and you're putting up 26 homers, there could be a lot worse things happening. You know what I mean? And like when I heard that, that's when it really clicked for me. And I'm like, dude, like, he's. I mean, I don't want to say he's older, but how old is he? 27? He's 20, yeah, 26. 26, 27 years old. So he's not older by any means. I mean, having Fran Reyes there makes him feel yeah. a little older. But I feel like he, I feel like it's still there. And like just just seeing him out there against right-handed bats or right-handed arms, he doesn't make a fool of himself as much as he used to. Like he's working really deep counts from what it seems. I test. He's working deep counts. He's not embarrassing himself. He had one at bat. And this, this is kind of the thing that made me think to myself like hey he's he's doing a lot better versus righties and it's funny to say that the thing that made me think of that was seeing him have a terrible at bat versus righties <laughs> at versus righty um it, it was he swung i want to say it was three sliders in the dirt i i want to say it was saturday um but he looked terrible just terrible uh he swung at three pitches out of the zone i'm like wow like renfro doesn't do that you know what i mean and, and this is really out of character for him from what i've noticed so i went and looked at these stats and i'm looking at him versus righties i heard them mention 10 out of or at the time it was 9 out of 13 homers versus righties i'm like wow like he's it seems like he's putting it together he's not terrible he's not terrible so i mean i know everyone loves the idea of like hey having franchi out there but i mean at this point i'm i mean you guys can shit on me for it. i don't care i'm going with renfro over franchi I'm I'll, not. I'll say it. If that's a hot take, I don't give a shit. Dude. I mean, this, I'm I mean, going with Renfro over Franchi because Franchi can't. He, Franchi has all the tools, but is he gonna stay on the field? No. I don't know. No. No one knows. He's not gonna stay on the. Well, I mean, yeah. We don't know if he's gonna stay on the field. But then or again, not. Renfro played 82 games, so I just shit on my own argument. But, <laughs> but I don't think because you know. he was hurt. Um, but uh, you know, like I said, I mean, with with Renfro, in in that. You know, logjam kind of being cleared up a little bit with Myers moving uh, to third base. I don't think you really have to choose. I think you're choosing more over, you know, do you want Renfro or Reyes at this point? And if I had to choose, I mean, I don't really know which one I'd choose, to be honest. Reyes is obviously younger. Right. Um, I think Renfro is better right now. So I think you just run the best team you can out there. But I, I do think he has earned a shot. And with Myers now, you know, seemingly entrenched for the next year or so at third, I think Renfro's your everyday guy in one of the corners, whether that's left field or right field. But he has absolutely earned it. I mean, we've already gone over his numbers: three twelve on base, four eighty seven slugging. Um, I believe coming into uh, or coming off the weekend. So, like you said, anywhere two to three win player at this point, solid everyday corner outfielder. Yeah, which I mean, is that's all you can ask for. Yeah. And I feel like the defense again. I'm going off the eye test, Patrick. Um, <laughs> the the eye test out there in the outfield. I mean, obviously he he has the arm. Right, I, I feel like his routes are getting a little bit better. There, his his routes, his routes are still kind of sketch. But I feel like uh, defensively, I'm willing to look the other way if you can hit. 
And which is kind of funny because if you can't really hit, but you can play good defense, I'm willing to look the other way. Unless you're Austin Hedges. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're Austin Hedges. Yeah, you know, it's just seeing what... Well, the eye test agrees with you. I was was really... I've been really, really impressed this year. Sure. I mean, uh, not that the eye test agrees with you. Your your eye test agrees with the numbers. Well, I guess vice versa. The numbers agree with your eye test. Per fan graphs is uh, fielding runs... um, He's actually been four runs above average hmm. in the outfield. Now, some of that might be, you know, going to a corner. Maybe he's just better suited to play left field than he is right field. Could be. But nonetheless, I mean, you got a guy who's going to be seemingly in a somewhat limited sample, um, above average defensively in the outfield or in left field, who's also hitting 14, 15% above league average. That's an everyday player. So I, I definitely think he's earned his way um, to, to a starting role next year. And hopefully we don't have to wait two or three months for him to figure it out. Um, in other news, because uh, you were there over the weekend, Eric, how was the attendance? It sucked. <laughs> it sucked. I mean, it's it's not really a uh, it's not really a surprise at this point. If you guys watch the games over the weekend, and this was the Trevor Hoffman weekend, like they had the four giveaways, or they had the uh, shit, they had the jersey giveaway, they had the statue, they had the coffee table book, and yeah, the coffee table book. Yeah, the, they called it the Hoffee Table Book. The Hoffee Table Is that what they really called it? Yeah. I was just guessing. Legitimate. The Hoffee Table Book, the jersey, the statue, and the plaque. So they had all those. And it's, I don't know. It, it, I was kind of disappointed to see the low attendance numbers. I was disappointed, but I wasn't surprised, if that makes sense. Because it kind of goes to what the uh, the Kept Faithers talked about it yesterday at their meetup. And I believe that guys from Good Intelligence have talked about it before. It's like the constant pushing of the 98 team and the the celebration of the 98 team. I feel like they, they go to that well so many times, and I feel like for this time, although it shouldn't have, I feel like it kind of hurt the attendance this weekend for Trevor's thing. So I don't know, man. It, it just it felt weird. I was there at the game on – I went Wednesday. I uh, went Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. So I was sitting there, and uh, th- I was expecting Thursday through Sunday for it to be really packed, and there was nothing. Like we went to a game with Mazone, a uh, a Giants game on a Monday, and it was almost double the amount of attendance. Yeah, as what there was at this Hoffman uh, game on the Thursday or Friday. There's like twenty thousand people there, which is awful because Terrible. I think capacity, not including standing room, capacity is what forty two, almost forty three k. Yeah, I want to say forty three. Yeah, with the Giants, is, I mean, anytime you get a team like that here, the Cubs, the Giants. Um, the Yankees, the Mets, the Phillies, you know, any of those big market teams, they're going to fill up Petco Park. I mean, it's just the way that it is, which kind of makes you wonder, like, why didn't they schedule these series against the bigger teams just to at least have a better turnout? Yeah, but what, you're going to schedule against the Dodgers and you have all Dodger fans there? The idea is we to want make... Hoffman to be booed? They're not going to boo him. Yes, they are. No, We're not. talking about Dodger fans. They might boo him. Yes, they're going to boo him. Maybe. Nonetheless, I mean... No, you're right. I mean, I, I think, you know, with the attendance thing, I, I, I don't think that people are so nostalgic about the 98 team the way that seemingly the marketing team and the ownership or whoever's overseeing everything thinks they are. Like, yeah, we love the 98 team. But let's be honest here. There's a bunch of one and dones. Like, most of those guys weren't here that long. I mean, we, we have a lot of love for them, like the Finleys and the Caminettis, you know, but the Vaughns, I mean, he was only here for a couple of years. You know, yeah. you know, Kevin Brown was here one year. Um, it, it's like, I love that team. I love that team, but more because of the, the excitement of the season, but that shit was 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just like, and I, I know HJ Preller, AK Jagoff has said it many a times, but it's like, 
you know, it's like they want us to forget, like, by the way, this team got swept in the World Series. I yeah. mean, let's just throw that out there. I think there's I only- get that it was the last time we were in the World Series, though. Like, I, I, get I get it. it. Which is cool, but I do think there's been, like, with the 20-year thing, like, there's been an over, like, you're at oversaturation, right? There's yeah. too much. They had the fucking bobblehead weekend, mm-hmm. which I don't think drew a ton of attention. No, it didn't. Like, at that all. That one flopped also. Yeah, at all. And then they had the Trevor Hoffman weekend where... Like, don't get me wrong. I love Trevor. And I'm, I'm, you know, his fucking speeches could've, were great. Could have fooled me with I your, absolutely your love on Twitter <laughs> the other day. I absolutely, love, I absolutely love Trevor Hoffman. Absolutely love him. I loved his speech. I loved how humble he was. I loved, and it got to me a little bit, that he teared up a couple of times um, on his statue day. Him coming out in full 98 uni to sit on the mound and watch the fire side. Fucking awesome, right? But let me stop you there. Sure. And people might not like this. Well, they don't thought, like me anyways. No, me. I thought it was a little weird that he was in full uniform. I don't know why is that bad? they did it. Is like, that bad? No. I thought it was, it's kind of odd. It was like bizarre that they put him in full uniform and cleats. Like, I get it, but it was just kind of weird to me. It was cool, but yeah, it is a little weird. I mean, he looks great. Don't get me wrong. He looks yeah. in great shape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he does. It was just, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's not like if they ran uh, Mark Grant out in uniform, right? <laughs> You know, but then I say that, and really, I would rather have him in uniform than sitting on the mound in a fucking suit. Yeah. So, I, I guess I get it. I was a little bummed that the first pitch didn't feature the leg kick, but uh, whatever. <laughs> you can't get that leg up that high. <laughs> I know. I know. But, um, I mean, it's all cool, but it's like, you know, when is enough enough? I don't remember them having, like, Tony Gwynn weekends. I, I feel like the stuff that made Tony's stuff special is that you only really got it, like, once or twice a year. I don't recall them going, like... A full fucking weekend over, right? Like, they didn't have a Jerry Coleman weekend when they did his statue and, you know, did that. Yeah, they did. Not a whole weekend. Not like a four-game set where you had, like, four consecutive uh, giveaway nights. And, you know, you had to... You didn't have to, but, you know, you had Jerry Coleman featured four nights. Like, it, it's kind of like... I liken it to uh, ice cream, right? If you give a kid ice cream every day, the specialty of ice cream wears off all of a sudden. Now it's becoming normal. We had four full days of Trevor. We didn't need that. Like... Having maybe a couple of days here, a celebration for his Hall of Fame, and then, you know, the whole statue thing. Like, I felt like they could have just done that and it had been fine. But we've had, you know, the shit at the beginning of the year. We had um, the Hall of Fame stuff. We had the 98 stuff. Now we have the statue stuff. And then they had four days worth of it. It's like, I think, I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but them saying, like, I saw a guy with like four or five of the coffee table books oh, yeah. and just tons of them left under the seats. Which there is was a sad. bunch of the statues laying around, dude. Really? Like, yeah. So Rich and I were getting an Uber to Bay City and there was a statue on top of a trash can Aww. outside of the ballpark, like across the street. Why didn't you get me one? Yeah. You can fuck off. I gave, I gave mine to Donovan. So, sorry. Um, Thanks. But yeah, I, <laughs> people didn't really care. I don't know why they didn't care. I don't know if maybe maybe they didn't give a shit to go on Saturday because, yeah, the statue's being unveiled, but Clayton Richards on the mound. Well, here's, yeah, that too. Well, there's a couple of things. The team isn't any good, but I feel like, you know, like the Giants aren't doing that great. They still draw attendance. I want to guarantee it was sold out when they retired Barry Bonds' number. I would, I would, I would assume yeah, so, right? I would assume so. And I feel like, you know, I don't remember. I, I feel like there wasn't a lot of people there, but we went to Trevor's uh, number reti- jersey retirement ceremony when they retired his number. Mm-hmm. And you said you recall it being packed. I remember it being packed. Maybe just because we were up in the cheap seats. Dude, we were way up high, and that yeah. place was fucking packed. No, you know what? Now that I remember, you're right, because everybody left <laughs> after yeah. they retired his number. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, I, I think... It's not so much that Trevor's not special and people don't care. I just think it's a combination of the team's not very good. Clayton Richards starting. It's just oversaturated. We've had a lot of Trevor days already. I mean, just this weekend, you had the Trevor, again, we'll, we'll reiterate, 
Trevor Hoffman Jersey Day, the Statue Coffee Book Day, the Bobblehead Day, the this day, the that. It's just, I think it's overkill. Yeah. I think I think they they drug him out too many times to make it special. Whereas with like the Tony stuff, it was more of like maybe once or twice a year we get to honor Tony. And even then, I don't remember him really. I part of me wonders if they're doing yeah. if they're kind of going overboard for Hoffman because they didn't for Tony and now Tony's gone. Yeah, but I feel so like you don't like, need hey, to go overboard for him, right? Well, I I feel like it's like, hey, like we want to make sure that you get your moment because maybe Tony didn't get as much as he should have. I mean, he has a Tony has a street named after him. You know I, what I mean? And I, Tony never really wanted all that crap anyway. And neither does Hoffman. Yeah. And I mean, and you could because I'm not shitting on Trevor, but I'm like, God damn it, Trevor, can you just can you just like take it all in and say, yeah, you know what? I deserve to be here. I was that damn good. Yeah. Of course, he doesn't do that in his speech. He stays the humble man that he is. But he loves him some John Wooden too, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. Oh God, he Trevor loves him some John Wood. I think. Uh, I think uh, if the Potters really wanted to be nice to him, they should have had John Wooden do like a speech for him or something, <laughs> autograph his trophy for him autograph or his, his, his statue. But uh, no, you're right. He does. But he's so he's so damn humble. But I, I feel like he doesn't want all that stuff. I feel like Tony didn't want it either. Like Tony would just kind of roll out there it, to also, do it because he, you know, that's that's what was expected of him. Because if you look at a statue <laughs> unveiling, oh God, no, oh God. I'm wondering whether or not I should point out that John Wooden died in 2010. You should point it out because I didn't know. We can get like a stamped autograph. You idiot. Oh, well. You idiot. I never said I was a pro, I was a sports know-it-all, just a baseball know-it-all. Nonetheless, besides, did you just look that up right now? No. Oh. Yeah, I did. You son of a bitch. I knew he died. I didn't know what year he died in. Uh, I had a feeling if uh, he may not be around, but Jeez. I don't really care. Nonetheless, um... You're the worst. I am. I'm the absolute worst. I also still wouldn't trade Hoffman for Gary Sheffield. Okay. So. <laughs> but, I mean, no, I, I think you're right. I think with the team sucking, oversaturation of the 98 stuff, I mean, they dug so deep into the well, they brought out Robert Fick. I know. I know. <laughs> Dude, I was sitting there. He played like 80. I mean, he was okay here, but he played like 80 games here. I They're was like, like, Robert fucking Fick of all guys? We brought back some of Tony's, or some of Trevor's old catchers, and I see this... <laughs> guy and I, I tweeted i was like is that robert fick that's robert fick oh good lord dude i i couldn't believe it yeah i mean carlos hernandez great but yeah robert i mean fick. he just came down from the booth right oh boy yeah when i saw robert fick i laughed so hard i laughed so hard when he was there but yeah i mean the, the games are they're extremely boring to go to and you know i want to talk about it in a little bit what we're gonna do um, here soon is we have the future. The future's bright. A couple main pieces I want to talk about was Urias and uh, Francisco Mejia. Uh, ben Davey, who we're going to have coming in, he was in El Paso this last week, and both those guys were on fire. Yeah, say he could pick the better time. Yeah, so those guys went off this week. So we're going to hear from Ben. We're going to hear um, what he saw out there, what he saw from those guys. If these guys are legit, are they ready? Are they not ready? As the studio gets knocked down again. Uh, we're going to bring him in, Ben Davey from Mad Friars. Uh, make sure you guys go online uh, at madfriars.com. Follow them on Mad uh, on Twitter at madfriars and make sure you subscribe. It's like five bucks a month. Cup of coffee, drop it, subscribe to Mad Friars. And also make sure if you guys want any minor league uh, gear, any minor league merch, make sure you go to the Mad Friars site and click on the corresponding team's logo. If you're going to get the stuff anyways, you might as well help them out. So madfriars.com. We're going to bring in Ben Davey next. All right, and we are back with Ben Davy of Mad Friars. Ben Davy, a veteran writer. Thank God Conniff loaned you out instead of David J. How's it going, Ben? I'm doing good. How about yourself? 
Doing good, doing good, man. I mean, not as good as you. We've I've watched some uh, rough, rough baseball over the last week, and you were in El Paso. Uh, what was that like? Man, El Paso. I mean, outside of it being really hot, it it was wonderful. Like the people there are amazing, and the tin or tin caps and the chihuahuas won every game I was there. They're um, I think their magic number is down to seven right now. They're playoff bound. Wow. Yeah, I mean, a couple guys that really went off that I was really excited about. Uh, one, Luis Urias, who I've been waiting for. It seems like forever. And two, Francisco Mejia. In particular, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, both of them went on quite a tear while you were out there, right? Yep. Um, Urias hit, had three hits in every single game I was there. Um, <laughs> I think <laughs> while Mejia just, like, he hit one of the biggest, the, like, furthest home runs I've ever seen. Like, if you've ever heard of too high, like, from Major League, I of thought course. it was too high, and it still went, like, 500 feet, like, out onto the street. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has looked really impressive um, on Twitter. There's all these gifs of him in his, uh, what seems to be lightning-fast hands. Um, he hasn't been in the system too long, but how impressed are you so far with Mejia? I think defensively, he's he's got a cannon for an arm, like, uh there was video all this weekend of him post of him firing down the second for an out and catching a guy stealing. Um, but they're really having him work on his blocking skills and, and he is aggressive. He just like, he wants to make every play. Like he's the type of like person that has stuff to work on that you really like. Yeah, for sure. Now with, with Mejia, like, um, you know, the talk is like, hey, is he going to stick behind the plate? Is he going to be in the outfield? Obviously, his bat is going to play. So you always find a spot for someone that can hit. Do you, based off your, you know, what you saw this last week while you're out there, do you think he sticks a catcher or are we going to have to find another position for him? I think he, he definitely wants to stick in catcher. Like, when I was talking to him, he, you know, he's kind of like normal, even keeled. And the second I brought up catching, his eyes like lit up. He loves to catch. He wants to catch. That's like, as soon as I mention catching, he's like, oh my gosh, okay, let me tell you this. Let me tell you, oh, okay, okay, okay. And like, he gets excited. And I think one of the things they're working on with him is he's like overly aggressive. Um, and that's what they're trying to work on with him, like how to be a catcher. And sometimes you got to let the ball come to you. And sometimes you got to play the ball different. Um, he's really working on that. And you can see he wants to improve. Whether he's, he's never going to be Austin Hedges, but I mean, like, he's going to hit a lot better than Austin Hedges has. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I think he wants to stay in catcher, and if he's and if he's six cent catcher, you're going to see a huge like, you know, improvement offensively, at least from the position. Absolutely, and I think that's what everybody was excited for um, when they got him in that trade. Now, speaking of excited. Luis Urias has been a name we've been floating for what feels like a year, year and a half now, thinking he'd be up by now. Uh, there was some struggles with him early. We've gone over uh, with that uh, with your boss, John, there a few times. But he's been on an absolute tear. What's been different since the second half? And damn it, when can we expect him up? So one of the things he was telling me is that in the second half, he's trying to be more aggressive. I think in the first half, he was trying to raise that on base percentage. He was trying to maybe not necessarily hit for more power, but be more aggressive or, but, you know, hit the ball a little bit harder than what he's been used to, where he just slaps the ball around. And that's why you saw the strikeouts go up. He'd try to work the count, but then still put a bigger swing on the ball. And I think the second half, they've really just been working with him on shortening up his swing, just, you know, playing his game. 
And the second he sees his pitch, whether it's the first, second, third pitch in the at-bat, just swing it and do your thing. Um, yeah, that's for him, that's why if you look at his totals for August, his walk totals have gone down, but he's hitting something like 430 in the month. And, you know, I don't. I think it's hard for us to complain. Like, oh, man, he's only walked three times this month, but he's hitting 430. So maybe we should just, like, not complain about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, like that's – it's – it's really hard to watch him hit and find anything to complain about. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking with John. I feel like it was maybe a month or so ago. And uh, from what John told us, he kind of the feeling is that the team wanted Urias to work on, and I, I may be wrong here, John, um, his like footwork at second base, his base running, basically things that aren't the bat. Like when you were out there, did you hear anything like, hey, the team wants to see him work on this? Because he's seemingly ready right now. But I'm, I'm just curious if the team kind of gave him some things like, hey, this is what we want to see out of you. So um, I'll say no, but you guys mentioned last week, I was listening to your podcast again earlier, that um, Asuahe is a second baseman only. So, I mean, with Asuahe down there, they're having him play third. And when I talked to him, he had played, that was his fourth ever game at third base. Wow. And some of the plays that, that I saw that were posted online, that I'm sure you guys saw, had him dive in, making these great throws, strong arm, like everything. And it was his fourth ever game there. And I think, <laughs> like, like, we're saying, like, we, we see Myers playing. We're like, you know what? He's not too bad. He's not too bad. Then we see Urias, who's been there for four games ever, making these, like, great Ken Caminetti-ish plays. Like, and you're just like, okay, cool. He's been there for three, four games. Okay, four games. Awesome. Um, and I think for him, he just, he just wants to play. Like, he likes second base, and – but second base, shortstop, third base, he'll play wherever. He was the starting shortstop in the Futures game. No, in the PCL All-Star game, excuse me. Second baseman in the Futures game, and then two weeks later was the starting shortstop in the Futures, or in the um, AAA All-Star game. So he will play wherever. He likes to, he loves playing defense. He's overly aggressive as well. Um, he'll, he'll jump out anywhere. Uh, there was a ball, he's playing third base. There was a ball hit a pop-up to first base so you see him run all the way over to try to make the play until like he gets five feet away and realizes what the hell is he doing and like backs up and lets the first baseman catch it so like that's the type of person he is he's aggressive he loves playing it like he's he's just everything you could want and someone who like you look at him and go okay yeah he's 21 i get it yeah i mean that sounds super exciting especially because we kind of might uh, have a little bit of a hole at shortstop until next June when Tatis is ready. So that'd be pretty cool if we can get Urias up, even if it's at shortstop. Um, talking about third base, a prospect who's really made some strides and making a name for himself and just got recently promoted, uh, right around the time he talked to you, actually, is uh, Hudson Potts. What's your takeaway on Potts at this point and his stock? Yeah, that was really funny. Literally, the we were, I was talking to him. He was like, oh, I don't think I'll ever get, I'll get called up this season. Like, it's fine if it doesn't happen. And then the next day, like, we see reports that he's getting called up. So, yeah, he had no idea at the time. Um, I think he's someone that kind of gets overshadowed in the system because, I mean, he got – he started playing the same time as Tatis joined the system. And, you know, people thought, oh, he was picked too high being a first-round pick. But he's done everything he can. He's hit 20 home runs each of the last two seasons. He's – 
he's someone that's like growing into his body. Like you can see he's gained a lot of muscle from the time he was drafted until now. He hits the ball with authority. He definitely has things he still needs to work on. He was mainly a shortstop in high school, and they've been moving him over to third. I think even last year with Tatis, he played a little bit of second, a little bit of third. Now he's just all third base. He's got the power. He's a guy that can, you know, in the majors will hit 20 home runs a year. It's just, you know, working on not striking out so much. And that's going to be what you expect by from a guy who's 19 in double-A. Yeah, for sure. Now, I want to talk a little bit and get your thoughts on a guy that was um, recently in double-A, but just got called up or promoted, we should say, to triple-A, and that's Cal Quantrill. Uh, you got to see him start out there, right? Yeah, I saw him Okay, and what did, what did you see from him? He's, he's someone that is, is kind of frustrating to watch for himself because you can see every single pitch that he has that makes – scouts say okay he's going to be a number two or three starter like he's got all of that but it's it's the inconsistency and you can see it's it's frustration on his part when he throws a pitch and he knows like what it should do and it's just not doing it and I think he he's a guy he's a Stanford guy he's really smart you can you can tell that he thinks he really studies the game he's trying to get better but I think it's just building that up and trying to do what he can to make things work, even when, you know, not all of his pitches are going the way he wants them to go. But the talent level is there. He's someone that, as much as he's struggling right now, and we just see the stats, next year, even next start, he could blow, he could have 12 Ks and a six inning shutout. He's that good, but who knows if the results are going to be there. Now, with Cal, because I, I, I think people kind of overlook that, oh, yeah, Tommy Johnny missed a year, he's been back. But I think people forget that typically command is the last thing to come back. Is that Cal's biggest issue? Not so much throwing strikes, but throwing quality strikes where he wants to go? Is that what you're touching on when you say he knows what the pitch is supposed to do? He's just not doing it? Right, exactly. Like, the command's there. He's throwing them for strikes a lot of the times. But, you know, when he expects the curveball to dip down another six inches and it doesn't, it gets left up in the zone and it gets hit far. And I think one of the, especially one of the big things that he's noticed is that, you know, if he doesn't have that movement as well as he should, then even in AAA, it's getting hit and it's getting hit pretty hard. Um, but he is there. It's just, it's the, it's the consistency issue that they're trying to build with him. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of sounds a little bit like a uh, confidence issue. Like kind of like, uh, you know, trying to work through it at this point. Because he said, um, I believe it was like, it was one of the, you know, interview things that the Padres do when they played at the games. But he said it's a, it's a matter of like getting the confidence and knowing that I can throw this pitch in this situation and have it be successful. It kind of sounds like that's what they're trying to work with as well. Right. And especially with that confidence with him, if he only feels he can rely on his fastball and he doesn't feel confident in his curve and change, which are both really good pitches, then, you know, every time he gets in that situation, he goes to the fastball. And as yeah. good as his fastball is, if you know that the pitcher is going to throw a fastball, you can sit on it and, you know, the results are what they are. Yeah, definitely, especially at that level. I mean, you're, you're AAA, one step below the below the big. So, yeah, if they're sitting on that, they're going to tattoo you. Because, I mean, let's face it, he's not, uh, he's not touching upper 90s there. So if you're sitting on it, that's going to go a long way. Now, the uh, PCL – 
their playoffs normally start beginning of September. It's about two weeks in. I'd kind of want to get your thought on this. Like, um, do you think it's maybe like, hey, we're going to see guys like Mejia, maybe Urias up at the big league level on September 1st? Or is it just kind of they want to see how far they go in the playoffs and let them experience the winning in the PCL? You definitely won't see them on September 1st. If, if you see them in September, it's going to be the second one. I mean, as much as people are complaining about, like, bring them up now, bring them up now, bring them up now, what are you really bringing them up to? You're bringing them up to a, to a, a clubhouse that has lost, you know, on pace to almost lose 100 games, and you're taking them out of the, of the Chihuahuas who are, have one of the best records in the PCL have won, I think they're 15 and three in August when they just, they're playing loose, they're having fun and they're about to go to the playoffs. And is it really beneficial for him to get those extra couple of weeks? Is it like, would really doing that's just to make fans happy. And at the end of the day, it's not to appease, you know, Padre Twitter as much as we wanted to. It's, it's what's going to be best for him and getting to be in the playoffs and getting to do you know, hopefully win the PCL championship is going to be a lot more as far as his development than getting called up to the majors a couple of weeks earlier. Yeah, well, I think Ben Davey just made Twitter his enemy. Padres Twitter. <laughs> there you go. Number one enemy. Yeah, for sure. No, is that obviously, and I can agree with that. I mean, I can, I can see kind of that point. Is that roughly what you're hearing from the team as well, if anything? Yeah, I mean, like they're pretty tight-lipped, and yeah. like with when you whenever you talk to the players, they just say, "Hey, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know." I think both Urias and Mejia both go like, "Hey, we're 21. Like we are the same age as a college junior, and we're one step away from getting called up. If it happens in September, cool. If it happens next April or next May, because they want to keep them down to get that extra year, because that's how service time actually works. It has nothing to do with being called up in September." Sorry, John Gennaro. Um, but like, <laughs> and just like that, Ben Davy went to yeah. Twitter over again. <laughs> but like, all of whether that happens or not, they're looking at it. They're saying like, "Hey, we're 21. We're gonna." They know that they're gonna be there. They know that they're gonna have. I mean, we all expect them to have pretty nice careers. Whether it happens now or in a couple months, it's not the end of the world to them. Like, they're just having fun playing baseball, and I think that's the most important thing. They love what they're doing. They're having fun, and they're getting to play the game they love. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'll just remain patient. And if that's what Ben Davies says, then damn it, I guess, uh, I guess that's what we'll go with for now. He is so. a seven-year Mad Friars veteran, Eric. Yeah, that is that is true. So uh, before we let you go here, Ben, we do appreciate all your time here today. Um, the food out in El Paso. I saw Padres Meat Twitter, the barbecue there. What was your best spot there? Did you hit an Arby's while you're out there? <laughs> I did not. Not only did I not hit an Arby's, I didn't even see an Arby's. Okay. There were a lot of Whataburgers. I didn't even know what Whataburger was until I came, I came to El Paso, but they were everywhere. It wasn't there a lot bad. of them in Arizona. There, yeah. I don't know what what it was. There was a lot of them. Um, hmm. That was great. You know, it wasn't in and out because you know, being a San Diego native, nothing is in and out. But barbecue. Oof. I went to this place called Rudy's. You walk in, nicest people in the world. Um, I said I had never been there. They literally had me try their entire menu before I bought anything. <laughs> oh, my God. Eric, book a flight now. Which, you know, when you walk into a place and someone's like, here, here's all the meat that we have. And <laughs> oof, 
Like I was, yeah, it was, it was amazing. Then uh, John Conniff recommended L and J for Mexican food, green chili enchiladas, hard to, oh, not only, yeah, yeah, every, just everything, like thinking about the food just made me excited. But then I also live in San Diego where you can go to any taco shop and get a wonderful carne asada burrito uh, with real cheese, not white queso. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Now, I do have to ask, because I know David J. made some uh, Arby recommendations out there. Did uh, Conniff tell you to go to anywhere to get some uh, Tex-Mex where they put that mayonnaise in your burritos? <laughs> uh, there was definitely no mayo in it. He told me to go to L&J, but that's just normal Mexican food. Um, oh. I avoided the Tex-Mex when I saw that they put mayonnaise in burritos. I, nope, <laughs> nope, I don't do. Not my, not my Mexican. Yeah. I'll just leave yeah. that. <laughs> Well, that's a great recommendation, uh, Ben. We appreciate that. Hey, man, we really appreciate your time. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, guys. Again, make sure you go to madfires.com. Uh, subscribe, uh, cup of coffee a month. Make sure you get on that. Ben, uh, thanks so much for your time, man. Oh, yeah, no problem. Nice talking to you guys. All right, take care. All right, so a great, solid debut from Ben Davey of Madfriars. He's on uh, Twitter, by the way, at SD. So make sure you guys go on there and follow him. Um, dude, so something something that he kind of mentioned that, that stuck with me, and he kind of talked about the uh, winning, in, winning in El Paso, winning in the PCL, and I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Like, do you think it's something that, that's worth, like, hey, keep him down there for an extra couple weeks? No. No. <laughs> no. And why I is don't. that? I just... I mean, I'd be curious to hear. I mean, maybe it's like a makeup thing because there's, there's just, there's absolutely stuff like we can't quantify. I know I get accused of just looking at the computers all day, but there's, there is stuff that we really can't quantify. I even mentioned it for like Will Myers, right? Like keeping him interested. You know, if that's it's, it's a makeup thing. But I, I don't see development wise what it means. It, it typically doesn't translate to success. The, the double A team Chase Headley was on in San Antonio. I think it was in San Antonio at that time. Um, they won the uh, the Texas League championship that year. He's the Texas League MVP. I don't recall Chase Headley playing a playoff game for the Padres or that team ever really doing anything. I think Hundley might have been on that team too. So um, I don't see any value in it from a player development standpoint in that case. I don't think it means anything. But I'd imagine maybe it's for like a makeup thing, you know, going forward. Just get him a playoff race, let him know what it's like. And maybe it's for his mental development. Well, that's what I think. It's kind of like, um, and I'm playing devil's advocate here, by the way. If you keep them down there, I feel like this this team and and these guys like these prospects. And I was telling, um, I think it was at the Kept Faith thing. I was talking to Anderson and, and the younger the younger generation <laughs> afterwards. And I told him, I said, you know what? Like, of as long I've been a lifelong Padre fan, I've never been as confident about the future as I am right now and in this system. So. Like when when I'm sitting there and and I see the thoughts of like hey you know keep them down there keep them in AAA let them experience winning let them experience winning together I kind of get it because of that because it's like hey these guys are legit or these guys we're hoping are gonna be legit when they come up so if they get a taste of winning they get they they get to know what it feels like then that's great that being said the 2016 guys like Ren, Renfro <laughs> Austin Hedges Margot. Um, all of those guys, Aswahe. they wanted Aswahe, all of them, they wanted them to experience winning too. And how's that worked out? Yeah. It's worked out to uh, on pace for hundred losses this I, year. Yeah. And, and so I agree with that. I it, can definitely see both ends at this point. Yeah. I mean, Ben's right. Ben's right. At the end of the day, as bad as I want to see Luis Urias come up here and Mejia, what difference does a couple weeks make? It doesn't make anything. I think it does make somewhat of a difference. Now I, I do take performance in September lightly because 
you're getting, you know, you have teams giving guys rest. You've got other teams bringing up their guys from the uh, the rest of the forty man. Like that year, Renfro went off, right? Like of all the rookies that came up, and they had uh, four of them, right? Aswahe Hedges, Margot, and Renfro. Renfro was far and away the most impressive. I'm pretty sure he hit what four or five home runs. I think a walk off hit one onto the Western Metal Building. I mean, he made a huge splash. And then last year happened. Yeah. <laughs> so so I do take September performance with a grain of salt. I just think it's important to get the players up in the majors just because for development purposes. Like, I know people are going to point to the strikeout rate. Um, we've had talks with the Mad Friars guys about, you know, Urias' strikeout rate being higher. I, I think, you know, he's facing better competition. I did look up his game logs to see if there's been any trend downward. There really hasn't been. But, I mean, at this point, he's killing AAA. He was probably ready realistically three months ago. I don't think, I don't think if you'd have given him the opening day job at second base that he would have been worse than like replacement level, if not league average, you know, which is a pretty solid player. An FML, yeah, fringe major league. <laughs> no, no, not a fringe major leaguer, a, 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 a replacement level player or uh, up to a league average player. Like I feel like he could have done at least that range of uh, that range of production right off the bat, just coming up this year. I. I I can see, you know, oh, we get value out of, you know, them being in a playoff race. And I can see it could be deflating for the rest of the guys on the team if you pull out, like, their best players, uh, their two best players, when they're in the hunt. Um, and we all know, be based on Tatis getting uh, promoted <laughs> last year at the end of the season um, when uh, Fort Wayne was uh, in a playoff hunt, like, yeah, that sucks, right? But at the same time, you know, your goal is not to win in the minor leagues. It doesn't – it generates revenue for the minor league team, but it doesn't do anything for your organization – your goal is to get these guys up to the major leagues because that's where you want them. Winning a minor league title doesn't—it doesn't do anything to me. For me, it doesn't do anything. Like you're not—you're not getting anything out of it that you're not going to get getting this guy up against major league pitching now. When you know there's a pretty good shot, assuming health, he's your everyday second baseman going into next year. Isn't that so Padres? Isn't that so Padres? You'd be like, hey, we want them to win in the minor leagues. I feel like a lot of teams probably do it. We just don't hear about it. Right. But, you know, it's yeah. I mean, it's. I don't see any value in it. I'd be interested to hear. I'd be interested to hear three guys' thoughts: Preller's thoughts, Logan Allen's thoughts, and then Dave Cameron's thoughts <laughs> on what uh, on what they feel the value of leaving a guy in the minors. You mean is. Logan White? Yeah, oh, Logan White. Excuse me. Sorry, I had Logan Logan Allen on the mind. Yeah, but um, I'd be interested to hear their three. So I feel like uh, White and Preller would probably be closer on the same page. From a scouting perspective, where Cameron might be a little bit more analytical, yeah. So it'd be interesting to hear what the reasoning behind it is, because I feel like he should just be up now. He's better than what we got. He's better than Perella, Spangenberg, Aswahe, you know, whoever else, the hell else are running out at second base. He's better than them. He's probably better than Gallus. Well, yeah, no shit. So, you know, at this point, I don't see any value of holding him down there when he's ready now to play now. Just bring him up. Yeah. And besides, I want to see him. I'm tired of this shitty team, dude. It's so. It's just I hate watching this team. Like I'll, I'll be honest, it's with you guys, exhausting. Dude. I said it to I. I was hanging out with Angela and uh, Bobby yesterday at the game. I'm like, dude, I'm ready for this season to be over with. God, it like we talk about the same shit every week. You know what I mean? Like I can't wait for this shit show to be over with. That's like, hey, call up the kids. And Ponder's like, fuck you, we're not calling up the kids. And it's like, well, no, call up the kids. Hey, uniforms. Like it's dude. It's well, they have. Dude. I mean, we've we've gotten a lot of. I mean, right now they have. Three three fifths of their rotation are all young guys who are rookies, right? Nick's, Lucchese, Lauer. Yeah, but we still have Clayton Richard. <laughs> I know it's so fucking bad. I blame Clayton Richard for the awful turnout for Statue Day, but <laughs> I mean they have brought up guys. So they're not bringing up. Like, don't get me wrong. I've been on. I've been in on Nick since they drafted him. But 
you know, they're not bringing up the guys we really want to see. I really wanted to see Urias this year. Before he got hurt, I really wanted to see Tatis this year. Yeah. So it felt like it'd be exciting and that he could possibly hold his own. We're not getting those guys. You know, we're we're not getting guys that make us better. I would be I would be more understanding if they didn't bring up like Lauer or Knicks. And Lucchese, I think they needed to bring up. He's clearly been ready. Um, but you know, the other guys they brought up, like I understand, like, if they wouldn't have brought them up and picked, like, the Walker Lockets and the Kennedys of the world, right? Because those guys are more of your, like, well, let's see if we have lightning in a bottle here, but probably not. But we'll give them the innings for for now, right? Like, I understand holding off on the pitching because you have other guys you can sort through to get innings out of to figure it out. The position players, there's nobody better. There's nobody better. It'd be like when they were holding Franchi down, right? Like, bring him up. There's nobody better on the team right now. Maybe as good, but there's nobody that really should be taking his spot, right? Like, Renfro shouldn't be benched for Jankowski. Put him out there. Yeah, it's just, dude, the the every the everyday thing of seeing Perel out there playing, Ugh. seeing Clayton Richard out there, you know, just seeing these guys and seeing Jankowski start every day, which he's doing fine. I mean, he's he's having a fine season. He's not hitting for any power, but I mean... Stunning. Uh, you, you don't expect that out of him. It's just, it's exhausting, which is na- now uh, is probably a good time to uh, announce that we're not doing a podcast next week. So. No, no. <laughs> So I think it'll be our first week that we took off. So, uh, yeah, we're not doing anything. So uh, we'll be back the uh, first week of September so we could talk call-ups if there are any. Uh, I know you don't really think there's going to be a lot of them. but what- Yeah. Oh, I have them. I, I think here's who I think is getting called up. I think we're going to see Brian Mitchell, Rafi Lopez, Colin Ray, Javi Guerra, and uh, Makita's coming back. Puke. Assuming he's uh, not on the roster right now because I haven't checked. But so, I think those other guys are coming back. Let's get into our Padre Twitter segment. We toss it out there. There's a lot of reaction to this so i mean ex- excuse me and sorry if your question doesn't doesn't get uh i'm just gonna let you read here uh but yeah i mean this kind of touch, touches on what we we're saying jake tremblay at jake lobito he goes is it officially okay to check out of the season unless the comes up guess what pal i'm, I'm checked out yeah <laughs> i'm so checked i've out, tried dude. i know i get shit for not watching the games but jesus it's such a chore i don't know how people do it yeah yeah it's 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 getting to that point dude it's getting to that point in the season where it's more you feel like you're watching because you have to watch. I like am, you're being forced to watch at this point. For I me. am so tired of watching Freddie Galvez soft serve, you know, singles into left field and then be talked about like he's such a such an anchor at short when really he just sucks balls. Yeah, and I'm over it. I'm overhearing Mark Sweeney say point and credit, and I'm not trying to make excuses and all the other malarkey and horse shit he says. I'm so over it. So the next one here, um, I want you to pull out your phone here and go on Twitter for a second. Hit me. Carlos R. at C underscore Los R. I want you to look him up on Twitter. I follow him. No, you don't. I don't? He says, why won't Danny follow me? Oh, well, there I you go. I want you to pull up his account and fucking follow him. I thought I followed him. Come on, dude. Jesus Christ. Um, H.J. Preller, he wants to know, why didn't Danny come to the Kept Faith meetup yesterday? Because I couldn't find a babysitter for my kid. And yeah, my ki- he didn't have a babysitter either. He brought his daughter. His kid, and you've seen my kid live and in person, his child is far more behaved than my kid. My kid will not sit down regardless of what you put in front of her. And if I'm going to go somewhere, I want to have a good time. So does that mean that he is able to discipline his kid and you are not? No. My kid I discipline. The kids are the kids. Well, I can't how come control. his kid is fine and your kid won't sit down? I don't know, Eric. Why'd you put your brother through a drum set and I didn't put mine through a drum set? <laughs> I mean, kids are kids. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, let's see what else we have here. It'd be interesting if they follow up with you on that question about putting your brother's head through a drum set. Padres haiku and drunk flans start talking about uh, college, college uh, sports, and that's that's not happening. Great. Um, let's see. Someone wanted to know. Uh, it was Jake Libido, Jake Tremblay. He he wanted to know when is the 
adult baseball league spinoff podcast coming up. Not, Never. <laughs> not happening. <laughs> Here's not a good happening. one. I like this one from J-Man uh, at GoPadres1. A hot topic. Why has Hosmer struggled this season? Who's fault in it when your team rank la- ranks last in hitting? And why didn't Renfro play earlier in the season? I'll tell you what. I'll take the first one. You take the last one, and we'll uh, each contribute we to it. We already talked about Renfro. We did, but uh, I don't think we talked about why he wasn't playing early in the season. But Hosmer struggled because he doesn't hit the goddamn ball in the air. I mean, Duh. I mean, if you haven't seen it by now, we said this before he signed, right? Before he signed. Dave Cameron wrote the free agent landmine article. I know people don't want to hear it, but the reality is maybe not this bad, but the struggles were were on the wall there. They're written on the wall. You could see it coming. He hits way too many damn ground balls. That's all he does is ground out. I don't care how hard you hit the damn thing. If you're hitting it on the ground, you're going to make outs. He's hitting D. He has a D. Gordon launch angle. Yeah. D. Gordon's about 58 times faster. I still believe in Hosmer. I do I'll too. I'll just come out and say it. I, I, he's having a shitty year this year. Is it unfortunate? Yes. <laughs> Especially because of him signing that, that huge deal here. Of course that's unfortunate, but I still believe in Hosmer. I, th- I still think he's going to turn it around. Um, I do, to an extent, really think that when he gets bats around him, he'll be better because he's all that they have. I know you don't believe in that, and I don't give a shit what you believe in. But I feel like when he has more of a lineup around him, I feel like he's going to perform better. But, I mean, maybe that's just me. I think I think there's... I don't think this is his baseline. I just think he's having a really shitty year. I didn't expect him to be bad. I just expected his career numbers, which... Are good, not great, but yeah, it's it's been a rough year for him. I'm hoping that he realizes, like, I can't keep hitting the goddamn ball on the ground. Or somebody tells him, look, I just try it. What do you have to lose at this point? Yeah, He can't be worse than he is this year. Um, why wasn't Renfro playing earlier in the year? What do you mean, why wasn't he playing? Why wasn't he playing? That's a question for Andy Green, not for us. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Uh, Mens Rea, <laughs> at Cavs for Days. Why do I fantasize about beautiful women punching me in the face? I don't even know how the fuck to approach that question. <laughs> so you've been on a you've been on a Tinder plenty of fish hot streak there. Any uh, beautiful women punch you in the face lately? No, no, no. I prefer I prefer uh, other uh, other uh, body parts in my face, not the fists. Here's one, Ryan Cohen at Ryan Cohen twenty four. Um, why won't any player step up to help with the loss of King Phil on social media? I feel like Robert Stock is doing uh, an admirable job uh, responding to uh, the fan base. Are you ready to anoint him the new Padre Twitter king? Sorry, no. No, why not? It's hard to say. You know, Phil had this certain... It's hard to, to come through, right, on Twitter because it's... You know, you read it in however way you're going to interpret it. I just feel feel like Hughes had... And I know this is... Hard to believe coming from me, Mr. Stat Guy himself, but he had like this intangible charisma that he was able to project via his Twitter account, which I think is really hard to do. And as as nice as Robert Stock sounds when he you know interacts with the the fan base, it's not on that like it factor of Phil Hughes or Phil Hughes, excuse me, for whatever reason. I don't know what it is, but I think Hughes had like that Twitter it factor. What do you think? The Twitter it factor? It's just like he can project his charisma through Twitter, and I think it's hard to do. It's hard to project your personality when you're just writing stuff out and people are reading it and interpreting it the way that they do. Look, here's all that we want on Padres Twitter. Just interact with us. And to his credit, he's the only one doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's the only one doing it. So my my whole thing, and you guys can call him the... Uh, the uh, Padres Twitter king. That's fine with me, but a couple of reasons why I won't do it quite yet is one, I'm not sure how long he's going to be around, yeah. right? He's a converted catcher. He's he's pitching. He's having a good year. 
He's fine. He throws 100, which I love. Dude, they do this thing. All of the uh, bullpen guys, they have this bit to where when they come into the game, before before they start to go down those uh, go down those steps and you know run, jog onto the field, they take, and this is every guy, not just Stock, but when he did, it was hilarious. They take a cup of water and they chuck it against the wall. <laughs> they chuck it against the back of the center field wall. And so I'm watching the I'm watching Stock warm up, and he's sitting there, and he takes a small chug off of the water, and then throws it as hard as he can against the wall. <laughs> and I look over, and every single guy in the bullpen is laughing their ass off. So I'm like, he he seems like the type, dude. He seems like the type who uh, would embrace that. And to his credit, he's interacted with everyone. He's giving us exactly what we want. But one, I'm not sure how long he's gonna be around. That's just me. You know, if you don't like that, I'm sorry. And two. I don't want to say like, hey, buddy, you're the new Padre Twitter king. Yeah, and then I feel see like Phil Hughes, get it back, have it come back to Phil Hughes because I know how you assholes are. <laughs> I'm gonna say something like, oh, I'm like, I'm like, uh, good job, King, or hey, uh, Robert Stock owns you. Sit the fuck down. And I know all you assholes. Oh, hey, King Phil, do you see this? Do you see this? <laughs> I already know it's coming. So I can think, yeah, he's the best Padre Twitter follow on there, but I'm not, I'm not going to call him the king because I know how you assholes are. Here's what I, here's why I don't think you're wrong to say he might not be around long enough. He's actually pitching really, really fucking well, so he might be traded <laughs> at well, any at any point in time. He could be traded for God knows what. Yeah, I mean that you got to cash in. I mean he's not uh, he's not the youngest prospect or yeah. rookie we have. So that is fair. So there's two more that I wanted to talk about here. Uh-huh. Uh, Cameron Jose at Real Cameron Jose. Uh, he says you've been uh, you seem pretty down on Hedges since the Mejia trade. Would it be so bad to roster both Mejia and Hedges next year rather than choosing one over the other? Oh, let the me team, answer that one. The team needs two catchers regardless, and Hedges seems solid for a 40-60 split. So go ahead, answer it. Here's my thing: both guys are young and they need to get the majority of the at bats. Right, a catcher is going to catch what 120 games. That'd be a full season for a catcher. Mm-hmm. To me, if you're going to maximize development, you've got to commit to one or the other. It has to be one or the other 120 games. Hedges, the way he's been hitting of late since the trade, is showing what we wanted him to show, and we're seeing what we want out of him offensively to be an everyday catcher. The thing is, is I don't think it it helps anybody to have like these part time catchers um, or have guys split time. We we saw this in 2010 with Nick Hundley. Like we we're all like, oh hey, this guy, you know, maybe he's the future. He's got some pop. He looks like he might be okay defensively. He lost his job to Yorva Torrealba, and he never really got everyday playing time. We saw it with fucking... Grandal is a prime example of, of, to me, what not sticking with one guy can do to your development. Yeah, Grandal got hurt, but when he came back, he was never the everyday guy here. It was constantly splitting time with Rene Rivera. I want to say Rivera got as many or more uh, you know reps than Grandal did. That didn't do anybody any good. So, to me, if you have these two guys, they're both... Really young, obviously one younger than the other, but they're both really young, both with really high upside. I think Mejia more than Edges because of the offense. You got to stick with one and just run with it. So I'm not so much down on Hedges that I, I just like Mejia more. If Mejia wasn't here, I'd be fucking ecstatic with what Hedges is doing. I still am, but I think you have to stick with one. And if I have to pick, I'm going to go with the younger guy who has a little bit more upside. Yeah. And I'm going with the bat every single day. I'm going with the bat. So I'm giving Mejia a bulk of the playing time. We're talking But Hedges year. is worth like eight war per framing statistics. That's great. <laughs> that is great. I'm giving Mejia I'm giving Mejia the shot, dude. I'm giving him the everyday Absolutely. shot. And but at the same time, there's still plenty of opportunities for Hedges to get playing time. Like if I run the team next year, Mejia is my everyday catcher. Hedges is the backup. Yeah. He's coming in. If you need to replace Mejia late in the game, he's coming in. 
Um, day move game after a night game, you can move Mejia to left if you have to. There's ways to where you can get both of them enough at-bats without taking the everyday job away from Mejia. Agreed. Because I feel like Hedges will have enough at-bats to where he won't go ice cold. Like he's, We're not going to go full Bud Black on him. Yeah. Um, but he's going to get enough playing time. He's going to get enough opportunity to where he can still maintain a somewhat decent season at the dish. Agreed. Your Bud Black comment is actually you know super relevant because what good did it do Hedges when he was clearly going to be the guy in the future to bring him up and have him sit behind Norris or even quote-unquote split time. You know, when Hedges came up the first time in 2015, right, is when he came up? Yeah. I think, yeah. It sounds Pe- about right. People are like, why the hell is he sitting? Like, he should be, if they're going to have him up, they need to play him. It's going to be the same thing with Mejia. If you're going to have him up, play him every day. And if you're not, then either trade the guy that's blocking him or figure out a way to get him in the lineup. Like, I, I don't see any good doing a 60-40 split. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, um, one other thing here, one last question here, and we're Stephen Woods uh, popped in. Oh, popped in there. Oh. he asked why Mike. He's like, is why Mike D fired a bit now, um, and why isn't pe- why aren't people asking why Mike D was hired by Intercom? <laughs> and he makes a dig at uh, Dallas, saying, "We are the media now." But he's like, "I'll wait for this to be recorded, edited, posted for me to listen." <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. That's um, very good, actually. Yeah, it was no surprise funny. there. Uh, but more seriously, here, uh, shirtless Whitson. Well, that, that's kind of funny. More, <laughs> more seriously, your shirtless that Whitson. Wasn't, uh, that wasn't At shirtless ironic. Whitson, no I in shirt. At shirtless Whitson. Why are we less united in confronting the team about the Giles brothers than we were about the 97.3 suicide joke promo? That's a really good point because those two shitbags were on the uh, were on the uh, Padres alum softball team last year. They are every Padre softball alum team. Number one, why the hell is Marcus Giles on there? He had one, at best, Because he's a San Diego season. guy. He grew mm. up here in East County. Mm. That's why he's on there. I mm. feel like, I mean, as far as us being more united, yeah, I see that because it's not on the level of the 97-3. Like, we had that night where we all went off. It's a 97-3 machine taglines. And that was one of the most glorious nights in Padre Twitter history. Indeed. Which was actually brought about by Drunk Flannery, by Rich, of all people. That was one of the greatest nights ever. Now, are we united together on that level against the Giles brothers getting invited to every single thing the Padres do? No. Would I like to see that? Yes. Now, the re- I have no idea why they keep getting invited to all that shit. And it's like, Partello, the team, they don't give a shit. They have to hear. They have to hear. They have to see. Because the Padres, the Padres tweeted out and said, Hey, guys, another naval softball game or Padres alumni versus the military. And I tweeted out. I'm like, hey... Are the Giles brothers going to be there? Because I need to know whether or not to bring my wife. <laughs> I know they see it. I'm sure I they know do. They see it. I don't think there's enough of an uproar with the general public. I feel like, I feel like uh, Boss Wayne over there looks at Padres Twitter like this basement dwelling fan base of a handful of loud but small in numbers public that doesn't really mean anything. So they don't care. Now, if Padre fans started coming out and asking them questions at the social summits and at the town hall meetings and all the other stuff where they give you know, fans a live mic, I think that would make an impact. But that's what you're going to have to do, really. And, I mean, I don't know how many times they're going to let H.J. Preller get a live mic where he can actually talk to Padres executives. But to me, that's really the only way that it's so going to be So you mean the with. only way you're going to get an answer out of something is if you go up with a live mic and ask someone a question that may not make them comfortable? Not necessarily, no. But I think the only way you can you can make put them in a position to actually think about doing something is to put them on the spot about it. Going on Padres Twitter, like, 
It's a wonderful community. Yeah, but you might come off as a jackass if you ask questions that might make someone uncomfortable. Or a crybaby, to which I will call you <laughs> such on Twitter the next day. Yeah. Now, I think because they view Potter's Twitter as like this kind of, oh, it's its own little subset. They view it like Reddit, right? It's a yeah. subset of fans, you know, who are very strong and passionate and loud, but a small subset. They're not the general, you know, consensus. They're the fans that like the Brown. They're not Fuck the, you, Reddit, yeah, by yeah. the way. <laughs> They're not the general consensus fans that you know, like the white and blue current uniforms or, you know, cheer for every Padre and want Freddie Galvis to get a five-year extension. When those people start going to the town hall meetings, the social summits, and get to ask those questions or complain and say, hey, you know, like if, if a, a female Padre fan goes to that and you have Portello or Fowler or Seidler and says, hey, look, like I'm a victim of domestic abuse and I take it incredibly offensive and can't support a team that has not one but two guys accused of such video with Giles, yeah. you know, at these events, and you guys are promoting them like we're supposed Openly to be Openly welcome, with open arms. Yeah, with, oh yeah, like like we're supposed to be excited. Brian and Marcus Giles, you know, the wife beater brigade are coming out, yeah. you know, to these uh, to these events as somebody who's a victim. I find it to be appalling. You put them on the spot consistently enough in a public forum like that, they'll fucking change it. But they're not going to change it because Padre Twitter is bitching, unfortunately. I don't, I don't know about that. I feel like if we can come at the level that we did with the 97.3, Padre's Twitter literally maybe got an entire radio station to flip. You know what? They completely flipped. There they go. got a guy, Kevin Klein, fired before he ever took the air. Padre's Twitter is a lot stronger than what a lot of people give it credit for. Maybe I know. You're I right. know at times people are like, oh, you know, it's just, just a small subset. I don't know about that. I feel like... I want all of us to start going after the Padres about the Giles brothers, those sacks of shit, coming out to these events and continuously being invited out to these events after people are making light or, you know, bringing this to light and bringing this to Padres' attention. And the fact that they hear it, you they know they hear the it, and they don't care, too. that's an issue. Yeah. That's an issue. So, so everyone, whenever you see the Padres, whenever you see the Padres not only say something about one of those events... Just any time. Put the pressure on them. Put the pressure on them because they hear them. They, they, hear, they hear us. They hear our responses. And um, I, would I, love, I think we're capable of a, I would a love to be proven wrong. I would yeah. absolutely love it. So. Yeah, and if, yeah, you are, if you are at an event, don't be afraid. Take the mic. Take the mic and ask the questions. You might feel like, hey, they're going to say I'm a jackass. Or, hey, this is going to make everyone awkward and uncomfortable. Take the mic Ask the fucking questions. The you know worst I mean? that'll happen is... Because you're never going to get a response if you don't ask the question. The worst that'll happen is somebody will call you a crybaby and then uh, realize that the person they're calling the crybaby posed the question in general so, yeah. or in in, uh, in questions. So yeah. so, yeah, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. So put the pressure on the Padres, guys. Um, again, if you stuck with us this long, we appreciate it. Um, we're not going to do a show next week, but we'll be back that next week after that. What's that, September 4th? Uh, around then we'll be back the first week of september we'll uh, figure it out we'll see what moves have been made what moves have not been made we'll cry we'll probably cry and bitch some more about the team uh, <laughs> we'll see you guys then we're out of here hey everybody it's phil hughes of the san diego padres and you're listening to the 5.5 podcast